Janice Connolly, the Artistic Director of Women in Theatre, and I'm very, very pleased to welcome you to the Women in Theatre podcast. In this series, we present monologues from our Women and Work trilogy. Developed from conversations with women of different ages and backgrounds, these pieces we hope respect and celebrate individual human stories about women's working lives. In this episode, we're going to do something a little bit different and have a chat with a group of young women that we've invited into the studio about the themes of the starting out monologues around women and work and how they relate to their lives and what's changed for young women in the four years since they were written. I'm very, very pleased to say that in the studio now to do this podcast that goes with the starting out monologues, I've got four young Birmingham women and we're going to talk about, because starting out was made in 2016, we're now in 2019 and in those years, has anything changed? And to discuss that about young women and work and starting out in careers, I'm pleased to say we have in the studio with us Katie Hall. How Hello. old are you, Katie? I'm 21. Lovely, thanks. Where are you from originally, Katie? Originally from Wales. Brilliant, thank you. Whereabouts in Wales? It's a big place, Katie. I know. Um, Pembrokeshire, Haverford uh, West. Haverford West, OK. <sighs> yeah. And also we've got Cheyenne... Arnold. Hello. How old are you, Cheyenne? I'm 23. Where are you from, Cheyenne? Uh, originally from London, North oh, London. Right, whereabouts in North London? Uh, like Highbury, Islington. Okay, brilliant, thank yeah. you. I just like the detail, because I think what people think is, oh, they've never heard of where I'm from, but we have heard of Haverford West, and we've certainly <laughs> heard of Highbury and Islington, because you're on the Monopoly board, I think, aren't you? Yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Which Haverford's not. And then sat next to Cheyenne, we have got... Esme Brown, mm-hmm. and you're from Birmingham, are you? Born and yeah. bred Birmingham. Yeah, proper Brummie. <laughs> a proper Brummie. And how old are you, Esme? Uh, 23. Okay. And next to Esme is Jess Haken. Are you born and bred Brummie? Well, I was born in Newcastle, but I only lived there for a year. So Birmingham, really. Okay. Kingsheath. And how old are you, Jess? I'm 23 as well. Okay. So we've got young women here between the ages of 21 and 23 who really do reflect the age group that we were interviewing with and basing our monologues on all those years ago and today we've just listened to a couple of monologues before this discussion the first one that you can hear if you pop onto it is sorry and then the second one again you can listen to is um the broken promise we just listened to two of them there's there's more monologues than that in the starting out collection of of podcasts but we listened to those two just to kind of give this group of young women have been very grateful to, we're very grateful to them that have come in for this discussion an idea of what we were talking about back then and when we played those two monologues i'm just going to ask people to go around starting with jess and just say what their response was to listening to something that was written three or four years ago. What, what did you think, Jess? Uh, I thought it could have been written now. Um, I thought they were really relatable and I could definitely think of my own experiences that were similar to what I was hearing about in the monologues. OK, and Esme, what did you think? Yeah, I feel the same. It was really uh, relevant and it was, it was actually quite like moving to hear something that like, I felt like I was represented in. OK, brilliant. Cheyenne? Yeah, pretty much the same because I feel like three years ago it was kind of 
it was still relevant, but it was kind of like just creeping up. And I think now it's, it's so relevant that it's, it's basically us. It's literally us, what we're going through right now. Okay, so it's, do you think it's got worse? I think it's got a lot worse. Okay, we'll talk about that in a minute. And Katie, what, what crossed your mind about... That was three, four years ago. Did it still ring true? I think it still rings true today. Um, personally, it like really resonated with me and also the stories themselves. I started like relating it to myself, but not just that, people in my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So not just personally, people that you know as well. Yeah. Because you two are at university, aren't you? Yeah. Yes. And then when do you actually leave university? Um, we graduate in uh, April, May. May time or June. Okay. Yeah. Do you, and do you, think you, do you think that universities... Because they make a lot of money out of young people, actually, universities. And you can see that there's buildings going up constantly. How much are you paying to go to university? Well, lucky I'm from Wales, so... Oh, brilliant, OK. So I get half grant and half of my tuition is paid for. Great. However, um, I know for my year, because I started in 2016, but I took a year out, so it was on nine grand a year, um, but it has gone up. OK. So for anyone that's... Um, like, say, in my year now, we have to pay 9250 whereas before then, you have to pay just nine grand. OK, so it's going up. And do you feel that you're being prepared? Do universities help you get jobs? No. No, absolutely not. OK, now how do you feel about that? I think it's really bad because they send us... Because you have to go to uni in order to get... They make you feel like you have to go to uni in order to get a job. And then you need experience to get the job. But then when you go and get that job, they ask you for more experience. But you're not trained for that because you need the job to get the experience. OK, so you're in a kind of a catch-22 situation, yeah. which yeah. quite a few of the monologues talk about the value of experience and where do we get that experience from. And, and Jess and Esme, are you working at the moment? Yeah. What are you yeah. doing, Jess? Sorry. Um, I'm freelancing in Birmingham um, in the arts, so I'm mainly working in drama and theatre with children and adults who have uh, special educational needs and disabilities. And have you managed to get that? So um, I did an English and theatre degree and then I decided to come home to Birmingham, as a lot of people (laughs) did. Um, A lot of the people on my course decided to go home. Um, and I worked for the communication and autism team for a year in an admin role. So you paid for that? Yeah. Um, so I was really lucky um, with that, to be honest, but it wasn't anything to do with the theatre aspect, like what I was actually interested in. So you went in on an admin? Yeah, but I found out that I was really interested in autism from that. Um, so I sort of made the most of any training I could get. And then that's when I decided to sort of pair the two interests together Um and tried to sort of meet as many people as I could in Birmingham. Do you think that coming home and being at home with your parents enabled you to do that? I think it definitely helped, and I think I'm very lucky to be from Birmingham because so people who um, did really well in university and did the exact same course as me, had the same experience, and who've gone home to more sort of rural places or places that are quite cut off from the arts have ended up doing very different jobs, and I think... Well, I know that if they'd have been in a city like Birmingham, they would have had 
more opportunities to do what they actually would like to be doing. There's a lot of nodding. I want to talk to you in a minute, Esme, but I'm going to just come back to Katie and Cheyenne because they were both nodding when you were saying that you were lucky to be in Birmingham. There's more opportunities. Why were you nodding so much at that? If I'm perfectly honest, I'm scared to graduate simply Mm. because my parents are like, you're going to have to come home. But the reason, now looking back, I came to university was to get out of, like, my small town. If you don't get out of it, I feel like you're trapped there doing, like, this... There's nothing wrong with it, but, like, a nine-to-five job, and that's not what I want. So I'm, like, panicking. What happens if I graduate, not able to get a job in the field in which I want, which is also theatre, but it's not as simple for me to go home because I'll have to find, if I want to stay in Birmingham, I'll have to find somewhere to live and obviously that costs... Housing's massive issues. Money. And if you haven't got the money... (laughs) And transport as well. I think transport and money. I think people listening to this might think, well, hasn't the theatre always been a difficult career? And I think it has. Um, But do you think other... Do you think it's getting similarly difficult for people who want to work in different careers as well? The arts has always been a difficult one to get into. But it strikes me now that it's difficult all around in in different kind of careers. Why were you nodding when when, when, um, uh, Jess was saying, I'm glad I I have my parents behind me, I'm glad I'm in Birmingham? Because I, I moved from London, similar to Katie, because... It was kind of like an escape for me and I thought I'd do better here. And I have so many friends that kind of did the same thing and they've graduated and now they work in places like McDonald's, KFC, when their actual jobs that they wanted to do, be a lawyer, do be an actor, be do musical theatre, perform on stage. And now they're finding it so hard to find a job in that field because there's no support, there is no help for them. If you could change one thing about because what because the broken promise is like a fairy story really if you can change one thing that would help people who paid good money to go to university got the two ones did all that kind of thing one thing that you could do to make it easier for people to get meaningful work that they felt safe in that they could get their own housing that they could think about if they wanted to have a family what would you do what would you change Anybody, I know it's a big thing. That what, 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 wave your magic wands, girls, and make things better. Mm. It is difficult, I know. It's hard to say one thing. Yeah. But what I was thinking about um, when listening to those podcasts, uh, those um, monologues, was sort of you don't get trained um, through education on sort of life skills. Like, mm. yeah. so when I set up as self-employed, I had to find out how to do that for myself and be quite proactive about it and Mm. also have a period of time not earning. So um, you kind of, you have to have the privilege and luxury of being, having time and being able to sort of look for things yourself. And and so financially and things like that, it would be great to have um, just better ways of learning about it before you have to just sort of get thrown off the cliff. So maybe what needs to change, it needs to be incorporated into education about yes. how do you, you 
manage your finances? How do yeah. you, if you want to set up as a freelancer? And more and more, there's more and more solo workers these days, aren't they? Yeah. How do you do these things? How do you set up a little pension fund for yourself if you want to? All these things about getting you ready to be able to face the reality of what it is. Esme, what are you working as? Um, I'm a carer. Um, so I did creative writing at university and I came out of university thinking I'll do a PGCE and become a teacher because that's like one of the only sort of set careers that you think of now. Um, but it was really hard to get work out of uni um, and I sort of fell into um, being a teaching assistant in a um, profound and multiple learning difficulties school, which was amazing um like Jessa sort of found a love for working with people with learning difficulties um but I had no training and I was just dropped into the deep end at the school they're so spread thin and I was working with really troubled and quite violent children um and I had to do I was in a position where I had to do first aid and stuff um that I hadn't been trained for um, I did eventually get training, the school gave me training, but after like a year of work in there. Um, and I really related to the sorry thing where she just realises how stressed she'd been by work. Um, uh, after like a year and a half, I just quit um, because I realised how much it had been building and I was doing loads of unpaid work for the school, loads of time. Um, now I work for an incredible employer, they're just a family. Um, and they've they've funded lots of training for me. They're funding me to do an MVQ at the moment, and and they're a really caring workplace. Like I don't have an official contract or anything, um, but they're really trustworthy employers. And I think that's important as well as not just universities, but like employers training you. Yeah, that's right. <clears throat> Maybe everybody doesn't need to go to university. You know, that certainly didn't used to be the case. And I think maybe more and more young people are going, do you know what, I can't afford to go to university, I'm going to go straight into getting some experience. When you were listening to the two monologues that you listened to, is there anything that particularly struck you, Katie? Um, you said you were thinking about other people that you knew. Yeah, so I think almost when you're in school... You're sort of, this is a very big word, but you're manipulated into the whole thing. If you don't pass your GCSEs, you're not going to get good grades. If you don't get good grades, you're not going to get a good job. And if you don't get a good job, you end up going nowhere. Um, or, like, you need good grades to get into university, university this, university that. But... My sister, for example, she was very poorly during GCSEs, um, so she didn't do well. Um, and essentially, she now um, is a cleaner for the hospital. And the amount of people who judge her and make out that she's absolutely nothing... Because she cleans the hospital. Well, we shouldn't. We shouldn't look at, down at cleaning no, anyway. I hate no. this kind of hierarchy of yeah. work. It's ridiculous. And I've noticed it, like, in my family, everyone wants to know my brother because he designs Formula One cars for Mercedes. He's an engineer. He's on over fifty grand a year. And fair play to him. He's 
He's done well for himself. I'm proud of him. But where's the... for my sister? The, the hospital wouldn't run without a cleaner. That's right. And this obsession with how much money people are earning. Life's yeah. more than that, actually. Yeah. yeah. But do you think there is a pressure? Shan, do you feel a pressure to be earning? Um, especially with my generation, a lot of us are governed by money. Yeah. And it's really bad, but there is such a big pressure on how much money you're getting, the latest trainers, the next car that you're getting, who can drive better than who. Is There's a competition with everyone is is the image we've been put into a category where we have to compete with each other otherwise you don't make it it's interesting this phrase to make it to be what do you think Hesme when you were listening to those um I think it's it's such a shame that there's not really like to get anywhere you have to take those risks and it feels like there's no safety net for after those risks like we, me and Jess both had to quit our full-time jobs to figure out what we actually wanted to do moving forward and it feels like you there's no room for failure there's no room for making that risk and taking that jump because there's no safety net when when i when i was younger you did you you used to be able to sign on and they that there was also a thing called the enterprise allowance or something so if you'd got an idea of of a business or you wanted to try something out you could get some money to do that there's none of that anymore, is there? So if people are unemployed, what happens? Um, you can sign on to Job Seekers Allowance, right. which I did during my year out. But their main focus is um, getting you into work, not focusing on what you want to do. It's more getting you in to a job each time you meet up if you haven't applied for a job your job seekers gets taken does it go okay. away from you and it's not really a lot so there's no safety net really no. there's no, no time to think and in a way if, if countries want to really harness the great boris johnson keeps talking about the talent the talent of it all <laughs> then what we need is some time really and no one's asking for a free ride or anything like that. It's just getting off this treadmill of, come on, come on, come on. And do you think it affects people's mental health? What about the mental health of your generation? What do you, what do you think, Jess? Um, I think, sort of coming back to the, the sorry monologue, um, when she was, she definitely sounded like she always felt like she needs to be doing more. Um, what she was doing was never enough and the boundaries with work. Um, and I found that at the beginning when I wasn't, earning a sort of regular wage I felt that oh there's always something I could be doing I could always be busy I could you know if I'm working from home or my laptop's right there so I might as well just send that email and um I've I've figured out ways to set those boundaries but oh, I'm, that's it's, helpful it's, what have you done what because that, that might be helpful to other people what, what have you figured out well I think now it's easier because I'm often working out of the house but working from home I suppose sort of mm setting yourself little deadlines and then just saying this is this is calm time now this is not work time yeah um, but it's not easy it isn't because actually you can decide that you want to give yourself a break then something comes in a message comes in or an email and you think oh i better respond to it and sort of yeah constantly being available having your phone yeah. and constantly being on call and available and feeling like you have to be, um, even though there's not necessarily anyone telling you that you do, it's quite easy to fall into that trap I as well. I think work has so changed, actually. 
what do you think about the effects of the way that we work now on mental health, Esme? I think like a lot of our generation has massive anxiety about it and it's it's really hard to know your value when you're constantly being told that your value is like dictated by what you earn and the hours that you're putting in and it always feels like you could be putting in that little bit more yeah Shan no it's um it's, it's really true like you you constantly feel like you have to prove yourself because if you're not doing something then what are you doing you're not doing anything then who are you? There's a bit of that as well, you? isn't there? Yeah. Yes, darling, Katie. Um, well, honestly, I'm on a range of, like, mental health medication. OK. Um, uh, so I would say it stemmed from school during GCSE time, the amount of pressure I put on myself. I just mm. broke. I lost touch of who I was. Um... I would, like, have panic attacks. And even now, my biggest anxiety is money. Yeah. Like, I get scared to, like, even pay, like, £2 for, like, a cup of coffee because I'm like, what's going to happen next? But I'd say how I've sort of dealt with that is... I've, obviously, I put so much pressure on myself to get good grades because if I don't get good grades I'm not going to get anywhere um but now I'm sort of like I try to just go and take on like my mum's advice of as long as you've tried your best and you know you've tried your best there's just nothing else you can do I think it now would be good to draw this very very interesting discussion to close by thinking about Positive stories, really, of things that we've heard about that sound like a good idea or give hope or that kind of stuff. So let's let's try and share some positivity now. The first thing I'd like to say is I think this generation of young women are fantastic. Yeah. You're so clever and thoughtful. And I think confident, actually, you might not feel confident, but I think there is a confidence in you. Yes, Jess? Um, I think... I feel really happy at work at the moment, which is amazing. Um, and a lot of what I'm saying is kind of, I, I'm thinking about other people and I'm thinking about maybe previous jobs that I've had. Um, but where I'm at now is sort of with various companies where there's always a space to have conversation and have conversations like this. I feel like that's quite a common thing for me and it's it's nice to be able to discuss issues and think about things with people who are like-minded or you know, who are going through a similar thing to you. And not every job has that, and I feel lucky that I've got it, so keep talking. <laughs> oh, that's so brilliant, this yeah. thing about conversations, saying actually that what we're doing now, I loved it when you said it, this is not unfamiliar to me, that part of being at work can be having conversations about things that matter and people checking out how people are. And there are jobs out there, there are communities out there that are working like that. They do exist. Let's go to, we'll go to you now, Katie. Um, there is, like, some jobs I've had really good experience with. Um, I was a site supervisor for a gourmet marshmallow stand. <laughs> <laughs> and that's living the Vida Loca, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Um, and it was a couple of years ago when I took a year out of uni and um, I was sort of basically on-site manager. Well, mm. I was 19 
um, and there was this girl who were, who was older than me, and obviously I feel like maybe she could have felt a bit like, oh, I'm being managed by a 19-year-old, but literally I just told her, I'm no better than what you are. OK. And we had a great working relationship. So that was so you were doing management work then? Yeah. But you, you dealt with it by saying, by being open, by having conversations yeah, like conversation. Jess was saying. I was just like, I'm no better than what... Yeah, brilliant. You are, yeah. Cheyenne, yeah, positive think, stories. I think it's OK to realise that wherever you are in life, whatever job that you have, it's always good to, if it's not your fit, there are always other things that you can do. Embrace it. Yeah. Embrace life. Aww. Because there's always different routes. There's always different conversations. There's always someone that's going to be like, here, I will help you. Talk to people. Talk to people. Oh, this is really good. Talk to people. Communicate. As many anything you want to add to this. Yeah, getting help. I, f- like, I feel like women have supported me so much through everything. Um, and making mistakes, like, that's how you learn. And, like, mm-hmm. get, cut, cutting yourself some slack to make those mistakes so you can grow from that is really important. Oh, how yeah. wonderful. So cut yourself some slack, find help, talk to people and realise that it's never the end of the story. Oh. And be yeah. and be open and be open to stuff. Be vulnerable. Ah, <laughs> that's really good. Yeah, Anything else yeah. that anybody would like to say? Just there is hope. Like you come out of university thinking there's nothing, but you, there really is hope. And I'm I'm really happy with my employer at the moment. Just there is hope. There is. Yeah, good. Is. And that's very very important. Trust so, yourself. Trust yourself. And when you come out, and not everybody goes to university, but the beginning. It may feel very difficult. And as the bluebird says, it works out for everybody in the end. And I really do think that, actually. And I think there's a lot of um, comparing yourself to other people as well. And because this sort of generation are all so different and we're all doing... We have such different priorities. It's okay. You can't do everything. So you're never going to be the same as anyone else. But it's all right. What you're doing is okay. I think that's so interesting because I think there are so many different kinds of ways to earn a living these days, very diverse. When I went to school and you had your kind of, um, what's that kind of talk, when the careers talk, you could either be, as a girl, a teacher or go to university. That was was kind of the choices. But now there's so many, many, many things that you can do. Nothing's ever a straightforward path, but just... Trust yourself yeah. in that path. Yeah, and make your own path, actually. Yeah. And never feel less than anybody else because you can bet your bottom dollars somebody might be earning £60,000 a year, but you may be having better conversations. And you might be happier. Yeah. Money doesn't make it you doesn't, happy. It doesn't. It doesn't. No. Thank you so much. It's been the most wonderful conversation. Thank you very much to Katie, to Cheyenne, to Esme and to Jess. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. We really hope you enjoyed this podcast. And if you know someone who would benefit and enjoy listening, why not share it with them? Also, rating and reviewing the podcast will help us find more listeners. This was a conversation between me, Janice Connolly, Jess Haken, Cheyenne Arnold, Katie Hoare and Esme Brown. 
The series was directed by Joe Gleave and sound design was by Sam Frankie Fox. And the podcast was recorded at Brum Podcast Studios. The audio engineer at Brum Podcast Studios was Paul Hadsley. The Women in Theatre podcast is funded by Arts Council England, the Sir Barry Jackson Trust, the Feeney Trust, the Cole Charitable Trust and The Space. It was originally part of the stage production Starting Out, produced in association with Birmingham Repertory Theatre. This is a free podcast from Women in Theatre. We're a charity, and if you'd like to support the work we do, you can make a donation by visiting our website, womenintheatre.co.uk forward slash supporters. Mm-hmm.